to Project Vox Populi, where the people speak their truth. Now we are back with the second installment of Project Vox Populi. There was too much ground to cover last week, so I'm bringing Benjamin Farkas back to continue our conversation, which will take us back to ancient Egypt and even to what is happening today including sexual trafficking, underground bases, celebrities, and important people in the public and private sectors. Incidentally, we partially discussed the book The Kybalion, and many of you asked me about it. I haven't read it yet, but if you are a Veritas member, the book is now available to you in the Veritas library. I'll be very curious to know, once you read it, what your comments are. I'm planning to do so in the next few days, too. So just click on the info link and you will find the library there with this and other notable publications. Stay with us for another edition of Project Box Populi. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Now without further ado, I'd like to welcome Benjamin Farkas back to Veritas Vox Populi. Your grandfather, tell me about him and what happened to him. My grandfather, Howard Edward Plank, or Edward Howard Plank, sorry. He was... uh, Any relationship to Max Plank? I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. There's uh, my, my, my family tree is, is small. I remember being a kid and in, uh, in my grandma's living room watching the uh, moon landing reels and stuff that NASA had sent my family. And uh, they like sent us the uh, coins of the melted down landers and stuff like that. Bunch of cool little memorabilia stuff. He was I think he was a, a, a gunner on a Navy destroyer before he uh, got into aerospace. And uh, he was the foreman at uh, Rocketdyne working on the uh, engines, building the engines for the shuttle. He was just a mechanical and mathematical genius. My uh, my mom was telling me stories about how uh, he was uh, creating uh, infinite mag- magnetic displacement engines in the basement. I've actually seen one of these engines work before where a guy used nothing but a few magnets, some zip ties some wood and a stroller wheel and had a infinite displacement engine that will it would never stop and he uh blatantly just strung up some copper wire and ran a cord to it and ran a vacuum off of the thing i mean that's just amazing i don't know why we don't have that kind of stuff out going back to my grandfather when he had that uh was playing with the uh, uh magnetic displacement in the basement 
it got going so fast that whatever pin he had used to secure the thing, it came loose and one of the magnets flew across the room and hit him in the face pretty bad. He didn't do it after that. He was pissed off. He went back and forth between Rockwell and uh, Rocket Dine doing uh, stuff for the Apollo projects. Apparently, he worked on, I think it was every single one of the Apollos, if I remember right, building the engines for those things. I have a picture of him uh, standing by uh, one of the uh, rocket engines in the in the rocket engine testing area. It's the only picture I got of him. But he he was healthy. He wasn't overweight, nothing like that. And uh, he died abruptly of a heart attack at 45 years old. I don't know in, in what stage uh, during the Apollo projects that that was, but they had already gone to the moon and back by that time. And uh, his brother, who he was close to, if I remember correctly, it was within a year, he had died of a heart attack as well. There was There was nothing wrong with those guys. I've heard a lot of information about the people who were involved in the Apollo mission. A lot of them have either died at a very premature age or have disappeared. And it makes me wonder if what we discussed last week, or like at least my opinion, that perhaps this was just a an embezzlement of the U.S. taxpayer. I call it a $150 billion, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Well, one giant hoax for mankind, $150 billion. So if you had to put all that stuff together, yes, you're going to get the, the brightest scientists, the brightest people to put it all together, but it's all compartmentalized. So your yeah. grandfather may not have known what uh, other people were doing. And at the end of the day, if this was just uh, to tell the Soviets, hey, this is what we're doing. There's, there's the little issue. There, there wasn't any radioactive protective shielding. To protect exactly. the astronauts, uh, as far as we know, their suits had no radioactive shielding, at least enough to make it through the Van Allen belt. No. And also the cameras, the Hasselblad yeah. cameras. I mean, you, you may be too young to remember, but I remember when I used to travel as a youngster, if I took a camera to the airport, they would tell me, oh, don't send it through the X-ray machine. Well, imagine going through the Van Allen belt for hours. Back and forth. And every single picture made it out okay. Every single roll made it out okay. And all of a sudden now, we can't find the the, the, the uh, telemetry. We cannot replicate the quote-unquote technology. But anyway, I don't want to spend too much yeah. time on this. His brother... I know that his brother was a little bit older than him. They died pretty close to each other and both of heart attacks that would, just came from nowhere. There was no, no, no warning, no warning signs, nothing. We're going to be jumping around because you have given me a lot of information. Mummies, mummies going back to Egypt. They get resurrected. Tell me. Interesting topic from what I was told by people that I know. Samuel N. War also talked about it, that the process of mummification was to preserve the body and preserve the organs to where they were protected and preserved enough that after these people had gone beyond the veil, that they could be resurrected. 
and the organs put back into the body, the brain put back into the body and put back into a regenerative uh, scalar field. And part of the knowledge of the pharaohs was the monoatomic gold. And they did have the technology and the capability to put monoatomic gold in the bloodstream. So the rumor was about the mummies is that Thoth had taught them the reanimation process. And this was known as the religion of the sleeper or the religion of the dreamer. I think it was the Red Skull cult. There was a uh, like a specific kind of cabal that was tasked for, uh, with um, protecting them and anybody that had intruded on their on their tombs and disrupted that process was supposed to have a death sentence for it. The Sphinx. There's a secret. This is speculated. A lot of researchers have discussed this, but the Nazis, when they did the, you probably have heard of the Annenerb, which is this division of the Nazi party. They go around the world. They went to Tibet and other places trying to extract ancient wisdom. The, The Nazis had a obsession with the occult. The Nazi symbol is a derivative of, of a symbol for inner earth. And that was one of their holy grails. And I've heard stories about them going into inner earth and even bringing slaves down there as offerings for the, the people down there had been down there for so long. Uh, some of the reptilians that were supposedly still down there kept velociraptors as pets. And they stood guard in these crystal caverns and in these these crystal uh, passageways and that you had to bring them a offering if you wanted to pass through kind of as respect. And uh, I, one of the things I was told was that they actually had brought some uh, unfortunate fellas with them for the offerings of the velociraptors down there. Their obsession with ancient technology and – actually making it to Antarctica and to Atlantis. I mean, they were the first ones to do it. You have to give them their props for that. This kind of ties into the story of the USS Eldridge. Everybody thought that this was some sort of some cloaking technology experiment. And there are people that I've known directly that have worked directly with Project Paperclip that told me the real story of the Eldridge. And the real story of the Eldridge was back in the, I think it was the early 40s, like 1943, 1944, when they were going through Tibet and um, India, they were getting, they were trying to take genetic samples for everyone because they were looking for the bloodlines of the Nephilim. They were looking for the lineage of the giants and the lineage of the fallen angels. And um, when they got to this uh, town in India, they were taking blood samples and, and one of the town elders came up to them and said, if we give you something magical, unique, will you just leave us alone? Of course, they bit and they took them to a cavern in this mountain. And inside of it was, I've got to say, like it's like about 15, 17 foot in diameter, a pretty big orb that was being held in place by three crystals on the ground in a tripod pattern. And this looked like a sort of liquid mercury, metallic liquid state sort of ball in there. 
I know it sounds a, l- a little weird, but this was the real story of the Eldridge. And what this thing was, was an engine or a component or the core of an engine from a ship that had crashed here uh, millions of years ago. And it had been taken and stored in that mountain because of how dangerous the thing was. And when they attempted to put this thing on a plane, as soon as they got up to a certain altitude and a certain speed, they noticed that this thing started to expand and that it started to take on the characteristic of dark, porous rock. So not only did it increase in mass, in weight, it started to expand. And so they had to make an emergency landing. And they stored this thing on the eastern coast of Europe, uh, the western coast, sorry, of Europe in a facility in a room that was uh, circular where they had been doing some sort of radio emission experiments in there. And from what I was told, the the room Cerebro from X-Men was exactly what this room was. It was a room where you could change around the different plates to experiment with different radio emissions. And they stored this thing in there. And the ventilation system was open to the air on the coast. And when the salt water particles gone through the vents and bombarded this thing it put off such a massive explosion of energy not only was it an electromagnetic pulse but it nearly destroyed the facility and they knew that this thing had to be moved carefully completely isolated so they put it on the eldridge i think by this time it had to have been by the time that the Nazis and the Navy had already made their alliance, something like that, because I, otherwise I don't know why it would have been going to the United States, but it was, and it was being received by the paperclip guys. And as this object was uh, in the hole of the Eldridge and it started to approach the east coast of the United States, the radio emissions from the Long Island uh, radar array, people don't really know much about the true nature of radar waves and how actually complex they are and that they not only permeate this dimension but other dimensions as well. They are quite an interesting type of wave. It was reverberating the radar waves back and forth between this tower and it eventually got concentrated enough that it caused this engine to phase out of dimension into whatever dimensional space that radar waves actually penetrate into outside of our dimension. And this is what happened to the crew of the Eldridge is when they were in that pure energy state, they didn't keep a conscious hold on where they're, where they were. And this is when they phased back into the third dimensional state. This is why that they wound up fused into the deck, into the walls that was a story that I got from a guy who I know 100% is into, uh, into into some black stuff. Yeah, I know that from experience. It's interesting what you said about the mercury, because there's something going on under the pyramids, perhaps in Egypt, but I know for a fact in Mexico, I have some articles right here from 2015, but this is from 2003 after they opened for the first time. They unsealed some areas after 1,800 years, and it reads, liquid mercury found under Mexican pyramid could lead to King's tomb. 
and they had all sorts of artifacts and offerings. Uh, and apparently, some it looks like lakes of mercury, and they have some pirate. It's like a powder gold, and it almost looks as if you're watching the constellations. Yeah. What would the need, and, and scientists cannot explain other than this is a very toxic substance to humans, but why would they find in several, not only in Teotihuacan, Mexico, but throughout Central America, under pyramids, they're finding these little lakes of mercury. Why do you think? Well, for one, I think that just like the Chinese emperor, that exactly how you described that tomb was supposed to be how like the first Chinese emperor's tomb was too, that there was lakes, lakes of uh, mercury down there, a recreation of his empire and uh, a recreation of the uh, sky using gems and other things on the ceiling of his tomb. I think for one, it was a vanity thing. But two, the interesting thing about – I think it was Teotihuacan uh, – however you mention the damn thing. Close enough. The material that they use for the bottom of the shuttle that displaces heat, they were actively mining that material at uh, Teotihuacan. I know – I wouldn't say that it was the people. I would say it was more like the pyramid builders. Because if you get into people who are uh, hardcore in, in, into uh, hermetic research and, and real big on Thoth and Hermes, and we all pretty much believe that he had several incarnations and that Quetzalcoatl was one of them. There are specific sequences of building stones. If you know about the pyramid and some of these other sites, you know that the way that the stones are set up, none of them are the same cut. They're all placed where you can't even get a human hair in between it. And uh, there are some exact patterns, 100% exact dimensional cuts that you find in South America and some of these other places too. So whatever technology that they were into, I know that uh, during World War II, the Foo Fighters were nothing but mercury, a gyro, and a small electrical device that controlled the way that the pulses of energy were put off of it. But you, you know what the Foo Fighters are, right? The yes. balls of light that went over our B-52 bombers and it would cause electromagnetic pulses and our bombers would f fall out of the sky. But they were just uh, flying orbs of light for all anybody knew. But uh, the Nazis were securing massive, massive amounts of mercury and that was one of the things that they were doing with it. Mercury and uh, gyroscopic magnetic devices have some very interesting properties, and they can be used for pulse levitation, anti-gravity. I've heard that many times from people who say that these machines, that is one of the components, having uh, mercury to make it anti-gravitic. Thoth, hidden libraries and crystal archives that only reveal information to the worthy by knowing their chakra vibrations, only men of pure heart can access. That is uh, one of the legends that I had heard was Thoth was so paranoid about it. If you, you know, actually read Hermes and Thoth's material, he was extremely paranoid about his knowledge getting into the uh, hands of the wrong people. And from what the rumors of the legends, I can't say with complete certainty, but from what I was told is that there are halls of crystal 
down there and specific crystal to us it would just look like a, a big cylindrical kind of crystal they're supposedly archives that resonate with the electromagnetic field of the body thank you for listening to unlock the full two-hour interview including video formats downloads transcripts exclusive articles and more subscribe to veritas plus now Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.